I'm not a, a natural base, my brother. <laughs> I know my brother. I know. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> it's a beautiful song. Uh, we made a joyous melody in our hearts. Amen. Um, and we're also singing a message of ringing it out and uh, proclaiming the good news uh, as God has commanded all of us to do. You know, it's... It is a commandment to proclaim the good news, but we also do it because we want to. We, we want others to know about um, this, this, this gospel of the only begotten Son of God that, is able, that was able to redeem our souls, but is also able to redeem the souls of every single soul on the planet Earth that has ever lived. Amen. And that is, uh, that's the beauty of the great news. Uh, the title of my lesson this morning is The, the Power uh, of Words. And I want to start off this lesson by talking about an animal called the platypus. Now, the platypus is a, an odd-looking creature. I'm not sure who came up with the word platypus, but it's fitting of the type of animal that it is. This is a mammal that has a beak and webbed feet, Amen. right? Not only does it have a beak and webbed feet, it is a mammal, but it lays eggs, right? Amen. I mean, it is a completely just juxtaposition of, of a bird and a mammal, but it, it fits all the definitions of a mammal, um, but it has a beak, webbed feet, and it lays Eggs, or it it um, it uh, the embryo grows outside of the body of the mother. Uh, I think about a kangaroo. Kangaroos are also mammals. You know, they bounce on these these two big legs. Uh, but the mother gives premature birth to her baby, and then the baby climbs out of the womb into a sack where it goes into the sack of the mother and continues its growth until it peeks out and then jumps out of, of the, the sack. They call those marsupials. Craziness, right? Uh, let's think of a, a, another animal. <clears throat> uh, that, what? Seahorse. Seahorse. Or, uh, uh, yeah, seahorse. That's what you were saying? Okay, that's another fish out of water type of scenario, right? Um, the male and the female come together in the water. They, they mix their, their two, uh, uh, you know, the, obviously the egg from, from the female, the sperm from the male. The eggs get uh, fertilized, and guess what happens? It goes back into the father, and the father gives birth to the babies. <laughs> Flightless birds called penguins. Huge birds, ostriches, with you know these big old big old birds with these tiny little wings, right? And then you look at uh, 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 penguins, right? They are more adept at swimming than they are at flying. Some would say, God has a humor. 
<laughs> Some would say that when he's creating the animals and all the things that are on the planet Earth that, you know, he just had a funny bone one day and he's like, you know what? A bird and a mammal, platypus. Right? Every other animal, you know, the female gives birth. In this case, it would be funny. If the male gave birth. Boom. It's a seahorse. Right? Some people would say that God has a, uh, has a, has a funny sense of humor. God is certainly... Uh, irony is not lost on God. And I say that in the context of the lesson about the power of words. We know, as the scripture says, that it is immutable. Meaning it is inarguable. It is, um, it can't be changed, it's set in stone, um, that is impossible, that it is impossible for God to lie. We can go back and we can look at uh, the book of Genesis, the first chapter. Whatever God said, it came into being. If God said, let there be light, there was light. He said, if, there, if he said, let there be light, there was life. What God says, what comes out of his mouth, automatically becomes truth. He speaks things into being. So I'm, 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 I'm saying with all due respect, of course, and God forgive me if, if I'm being disrespectful in what I'm about to say, but in all due respect, if God had a humor or if God had a funny bone, or if God made a mistake in creating the platypus, a quasi-mammal with a beak and webbed feet that lays eggs, then it didn't matter. It doesn't matter if he said it in jest or not, or if he said it in humor or not. We know that the platypus exists. Whatever God says, it comes into being. It cannot be removed. It cannot be taken back. As a matter of course, even God can't take back what he said. You remember when he, when he made man, <clears throat> he formed man, he, he said, you know what? I need to create something that will manage all of these other creations. And so what he did is he formed man from the dust of the earth. He breathed into his nostrils the spirit of life, and man became, as it says, a living soul. Later on in the book of Genesis, um, and for those of you who are uh, jotting down notes uh, of uh, what I just said about the creation of man, you can find that in uh, Genesis, the first chapter, uh, starting at verse number 26, um, where God said to his son, and to the Holy Spirit. How do I know he said that to his son and the Holy Spirit? Is because he says in the plural, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the flesh, uh, excuse me, the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And certainly in verse number 27, uh, of the first chapter of the book of Genesis. It says, So God created man in his own image, and the image 
of God created he him, male and female created he them. His creation fell from grace. We know that uh, because of the temptation of Satan, Adam and Eve, or rather Eve and Adam, if we're going to put it in order, um, partook of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, which they were told not to do. And as a result, they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. As a result of their knowledge of good and evil, when we get to Genesis chapter 6, um, uh, what does it say? Uh, Genesis chapter 6, uh, starting at verse number 5. It says that God, um, and then again, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. It's interesting he says only. Meaning there wasn't any righteous intent in the, in the mind of mankind by the time we get to uh, Genesis chapter 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. You know, one of the things that is powerful about words is even God is held to his word. Even the almighty God. If you read here in that verse, God spoke man into being. By Genesis chapter 6, he looks down on his creations. He sees that the, the thoughts of mankind are evil continually. And you know what it says? He says he was sorry that he even created it. It grieved him to his heart. Amen. But he couldn't take it back. He couldn't destroy mankind from the earth because to do so would be to go against the immutable fact of the power of words that once they're spoken they can never be taken back whatever God says is truth whatever God says is comes into being and even though it grieved him that he created these fallible human beings that all of us are he couldn't destroy us entirely so what did he do You go back and you read about uh, Noah. Now, God certainly could have done what he, what he wanted. It says in verse number 7 of Genesis chapter 6, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both the man and the beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the earth, for it repented me, or I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And not just Noah, but the other seven members of his family. His wife, his three sons, and their wives. Eight in total. So he caused it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. He destroyed every other living creature uh, but not every other living creature right because he spoke those creatures into being he couldn't take all of that back 
So what did he do? He told Noah he preserved eight human souls. And then he instructed Noah to take two of every kind and then three of another kind and put it in the ark so that the things that he spoke would continue on into me. You know, the scripture says in the book of James about the power of words. And I guess I would say, you know, as I conclude about the power of words and, and the Almighty God's adherence to even his own word, is to say, who are you compared to God? Who are you to think that your words are less binding on you? I mean, God is the Almighty God. He could have reversed, filled, and destroyed everything and started over. He had the power, the ability, and the holiness to do just that. But God stayed true to his own word. And there's another, there's another uh, plenty of great examples to that. Let's, let's talk about Abraham. When Abram was, uh, when Abram, he wasn't Abraham at the time, but when Abram met God, God gave him a covenant. He said, I'm going to make a promise with you. And not just a promise with you, but every other, uh, with, with your entire lineage. Abraham made some mistakes along the way. He took that handmaiden instead of not trusting in what God told him to do. All of the mistakes that God did, God came back around and said, I said it, I made a promise, I'm going to keep my word. Fast forward. When we get into the Hebrews and the Israelites, those children of Abraham that, that are partakers of that promise that God gave Abraham, what did they do? They, they sinned all over the place. They worshipped other gods. They, they rejected the Almighty God. But what did God do in spite of all of that? He said, I spoke it. It came out of my mouth. I gave a promise with my words. And even my word, I have to stay true to. Because there's power in them. And who are you to say that you're any different? <clears throat> who are you to think that I can say one thing and say, hey, my bad. I didn't really mean to say that. Or who are you to think when you stand before God, right? And God is accounting all of those things you've done in your body, whether they be good or bad. That's a scripture in the Bible as well. For you to say before God, hey God, oh, time out, time out. I made a mistake. My bad, God. Don't really take that word into account. How many of us would tell God to exclude all of the bad things we've said, but accept all the good things? <laughs> this guy. I'll give you a story. And um, I know my daughter, Sister Allison, is recording this. I'm going to put myself out there, all right? I don't know what year it was, but I can remember the day. Um, I was working um, for a previous company. Um, I was standing in a co-worker's office, and we were talking about business. And he received a phone call from a lady. Um, he, he put her on speakerphone. He said, shh, shh, I was like, okay, fine. And so he, he conducted his business, 
da 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 and he hung up the phone. Immediately after that conversation, we went into a conversation about the faults of this particular individual that he just got through speaking with. And he said, you know, such and such is like this. And I was like, yeah, you know, she's kind of da 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 and he's like, yeah, and you know, da 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 da. And I was like, yeah, 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 da 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 da. Guess what happened? He didn't really hang up the phone. Oh, she heard everything. It was embarrassing. I don't think I've ever felt embarrassed. I don't think I've ever felt so low. I don't think I've ever felt so exposed. So naked before somebody to hear idle words spoken out of my mouth. So she she called me, she called me and said, Hey, I just wanted to come talk to you. Okay, I said, all right, I'll. so I went to her office, she played the conversation. What am I supposed to do, brothers and sisters in Christ? I was you're right, I was busted. Those idle words that I spoke. And the power of those words has impacted our relationship. I can't take them back. I mean, I can, I can try to. I can act differently. I can, I can speak of her or, or engage with her in a manner that's different than the words that me and my coworker spoke of. But it's, those words can never be taken back. Amen. Okay, I hadn't seen her for... I'd been separated from that previous company for, I'd say, four and a half, five years. Guess what? Two months ago, my current company hired her. Guess what? She's two doors down from my boss's office. Yeah, it is. It's even deeper. Every time I see her, I think about those idle words that I spoke and the power of those words. I'll never, ever, ever be able to take them back. Those words, as pertains to her, will follow me and will be a part of our mutual relationship yes. until the day one of us does. Redemption. There's no redemption in that. <laughs> I can't redeem myself from that. No. And here's what I'll say by that. Yeah, I've, I told her I was sorry. I told her I really didn't mean it. But those words are still there. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll, get to, I'll get to where the true redemption lies here in a second. But they're there. <clears throat> I can't take them back. I, I told her I'm sorry. She said, no, not a big deal. I mean, our relationship is cordial. It's not like, uh, at least I don't think she holds Ill, uh, feelings against me. I surely don't. But the only redemption that I guess I can, that I can come, with, come up with is that I hope she forgets. Or I hope she finds a job elsewhere. Or a job <laughs> elsewhere. Right? But every idle word yes. has power. Yes. God couldn't find redemption from the words that he spoke when he created mankind. As a matter of fact, the only redemption that God can hope to get from the from the sorrow, excuse me, from the from his feelings of repenting for having made 
humankind can only be found in one person. Jesus Christ. That's the only place you can find redemption. That's the only place we can hope for redemption. Is through Jesus Christ. Again, think about it for a second. God's covenant to Abraham, the only way that God and his word and his promise could be realized throughout the span of human existence could only have been achieved through Jesus Christ. Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. If Jesus Christ hadn't lived and died and rose again the third day, God would have been made to be a liar. And I say that with all due respect. Actually, I'm not calling God a liar, but I'm just saying that if Jesus weren't in the picture, it would have proven him to be a liar. We know that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a means of reconciling his chosen Back to him. If you don't believe that, go back and read uh, the um, what is it, the uh, fifth or so chapter of the book of Romans, where it talks about how we are ministers of reconciliation, or that the gospel of Jesus Christ is uh, reconciles us to God. Um, and if you're taking notes, that is in. Well, there's a lot to read. You can read uh, the fourth and fifth chapter of the book of Romans um, to, to see how Jesus Christ fits into his grand, uh, God's, I don't want to say grand, but that, that almost takes away from the majesty of his, of his providence, but how Jesus was essential to the survival of man, number one, but also the, rede the redemption that man can find as a result of that very first sin way back in the, what is it, the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Have you ever, why is it, uh, if, if I were to record a conversation, and I, I'll tell you another example. There was a, uh, a gentleman um, he was in the business of establishing homes for, uh, well, it's almost 11.15. We're not even halfway, so, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm just saying that just, for, just, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, but his job was to set up kind of these homes for, for kids for individuals who had mental illnesses, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure what they call them, group homes or something along those lines. And uh, 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 an acquaintance of mine was like, hey, Thomas, you know, maybe we can go into business together. We can buy a home and, and help the community and also uh, you know, build a, an investment portfolio. And I was like, that sounds all right. So he set me up with this guy. He was a, and I'm not saying, uh, I'm not, speaking ill of a group of people. I'm speaking ill of this particular individual. Um, he was a quote-unquote Baptist uh, minister, 
elder, whatever the case may be, and he said, you know, this is my, this is what I'm doing to, um, you know, fulfill, you know, my servitude to God. And I was like, hey, that's that's righteous. Way to go. Da da da. Fast forward two weeks later, um, he uh, accidentally dialed my my uh, our mutual acquaintance, but didn't hang up the phone. And app, you know, they call it uh, rear dialing. How about that? Right, where you accidentally dial somebody and you don't know that. So what he did is, voicemail recorded this entire conversation where he is cursing out one of the special people in one of his group homes. And I was like, that is the true person. That is who he is. There's, there's this facade that he created betrayed him, or excuse me, the words betrayed the facade that he had created. And that's really the power of the words. It said, this is who I am inside. Regardless of what I look like, some of the words that I say, these idle words that he spoke on this recording when he thought nobody was listening was the truest form of who he is. And I would say that the idle words that you speak are indicative of who you are inside. Now, I didn't say it. The scripture did. And that's where we're going to look. If you have your Bibles, go to uh, the book of James. Um, we know that uh, um, in the book of James, it talks about uh, being a hearer and doer of the word. <clears throat> says, you know, we ought to love one another. Um, but in James chapter 3, it talks about this, this tongue that we have. This tongue that if, it's, if, if we allow it to do what it does, it will expose us to the world. In James chapter 3, um, Boy, I wish I could read the entire chapter if I had time, but um, out of respect for the needs of others, I will not read the entire book, that James, the third chapter. But one of the things I will say, in starting at verse number one, James chapter three, it says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Enable also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn up, and we turn about their whole bodies. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great are and are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with every with a very small hammer, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so. The tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. And behold, how great a, a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. And speaking of defiling, as we talked about this morning in our Bible class, Jesus says, you know, when he's talking to the Pharisees, the Pharisees come up to Jesus and say, Hey, we saw your disciples eating without washing their hands first. 
And Jesus was like, really? It's not what goes into the man that defiles him, but what comes out of the man that defiles him. You know, the words that you speak defile you. They, they speak a truth of what is inside you. And as we'll talk about with the scripture reading uh, this morning, when Jesus says, you know, out of the goodness of the heart, good things come out of the mouth. And out of the evilness of the heart, evil things come out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth tells everybody out there in the world what is going on in your spiritual heart, your physical brain. Can you read minds? Absolutely I can read minds. If I were to take an account of every single conversation you've had, every word that you've spoke, I can tell for a fact what's going on up here in your noggin. The problem is, is I'm not around you every day. I'm not around you every day. I'm not around you every second. I don't know what you talk about with your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, in your private home. All I know is what I hear from you. But what if, Thomas Garner, what if somebody heard a conversation that I thought was private? What truth would they be able to tell about me? Everything. It goes on to say, <clears throat> in verse number 8, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Amen. Which is the reason why the script, again, going back to our Bible class this morning about being prudent, um, being wise. Uh, beautiful words. And for the sake of uh, this recording and for those who weren't uh, in the Bible class this morning, uh, go to Proverbs chapter 16. Um, and, and hopefully everybody, you know, uh, put a mark in their Bibles with this verse, as, as I certainly did. Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and verse number 23. Where the proverb writer said, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth, and addeth learning to his lips. Our minds have to be... Or, or rather, as it speaks to this uh, bridling our tongues, that a perfect man also being able to bridle your tongue. What it means is a perfect wise man is able to tell his mouth exactly what to say before his mouth betrays him. What's the old saying? Uh, and Sister Bella, tell me afterwards if I get this wrong, but... You know, <laughs> you open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah. You know, some people say, you know, if you're a fool, just keep talking and, and you'll prove yourself to be a fool. Or if you're wise, keep talking. You'll prove yourself to be wise. Mm -hmm. But the proverb writer is telling us that our brains need to tell our mouth. Not our mouth just going off on its own, just oh, willy-nilly. Uh, again, going on in James chapter 3, in verse 8. Our tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. 
Can you believe that? Can you believe that quote-unquote minister who said, all honor be to God. I'm doing this to honor my God. But in the same token, he's cursing, literally, the people that he is saying that he is working through to honor God. You see that? It's right there in that verse. We are so weird in our heads that we think that with one tongue we can praise God and with that same tongue curse God's only, or not only, but curse God's creations. Doesn't make sense, does it? To say, I love you, God, and then turn around to that person over here, I hate you. When they are created in the similitude, in the image of the Almighty God. Amen. Okay, you may not grasp it yet. Go to James, the fifth chapter. Uh, James, the fifth chapter, and give me one second to find the verse that I am looking for. James chapter 5 and verse number 12. Let's talk about giving oaths for a second. Power of words. Right? And um, in the business world, or I won't even say in the business world, in the United States of America, based on our laws and so forth, if Brother Marzette and I enter into a business relationship where I am rendering a service and then in turn he's going to pay me for that service. That business relationship is binding simply if Brother Marzette, and I say to Brother Marzette, Brother Marzette, I am going to do this for you and you are going to pay me such and such. And we, and we agree on that. And I say, I agree to those terms. Brother Marzette says he agrees to those terms. If either one of us breaches that verbal contract, it is binding in a court of law. Even in a court of law, I can't say, my bad, my bad. I didn't really mean to, to say I was going to do that. Uh, I, I just Those were just idle words. In the court of law, even in... <laughs> Even in the court of law, and we know the court of law is not perfect by any stretch of them, where somebody can kill somebody and then uh, be let free the, the very next day. Our, our judicial system is vastly imperfect. But even in our judicial system, idle words, words are powerful. If I say I'm going to do something in a business contract, it is binding. Brother Marzette can sue me and get his money. In James chapter 5, in verse number 12, it says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, nor, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Here's the thing. Even if you say, I am going to do that, or I will be there. Or 
I'm not going to do that, or I won't be there. If you do the exact opposite, it is a lie in the eyes of God. And all liars, going back to the book of Revelation, yes. all liars will have their place in the lake of fire and brimstone. That's why you got to be careful. You got to be careful with every single word that you say, whether in public or in private. Amen. Because those words are going to judge you in the end. Let your yea be yea. If you're going to do something, if you say you're going to do it, <laughs> you best be doing it. If you say you're not going to do it, well, you better not do it because you spoke it. Which is the reason why you need to be prudent. You need to think, okay, before I agree to this, am I going to be able to do it? I mean, do I have confidence in myself that I'm going to be able to keep my yay as a yay? If you're not confident, then don't say it. If you say you're not going to do something, you need to think as a prudent person in your head, teaching your brain how to talk, right? I'm not strong enough yet to say I'm not going to do it again. I'm still weak. This fault has just got me by, got me by the throat. Even though I say I won't drink ever again, I know in my heart of hearts, as soon as I have a private moment, I'm going to crack open that Bud Light and have me a drink. Or that Cavassier or whatever it is. Let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. Because there's power in words. Let's think about it, for example. How many of us think it was unfair that Esau lost his birthright to his brother Jacob? For the longest time, I thought it was entirely unfair that Jacob, that Esau gave up his, or Jacob um, was held accountable for what he said. He's coming, and if you don't know the story of Jacob and Esau, I'll give you a clip notes version, right? Esau is out there hunting, right? Bringing home the bacon for his family, including Jacob, and he's famished. Famished. Jacob comes up to him with a bowl of lentils. And Esau is just hungry. He's beside himself. And Esau, Jacob says, hey, you want... You want, I got these bowl of lentils. Jacob didn't even ask for the birthright. Esau, in his hunger, in idle words, said, You know what? I am so hungry, Jacob. If you'll give those to me, I'll give you my birthright. How many of us had said something that idle like that? How many of us had just, you know, you know what? You know, just being half serious, half not serious, just said something, you know, just silly. You know? I've said it to my kids, right? I've said, you know what? I wish I had all boys. I, I've never said that. I, I couldn't think of something, but how many of us have said idle things like that? Like, you're, you know what? You're my favorite. Or, you know what? Just something, just something off the top of the, off the top of your head. And in this case, Esau said it off the top of his head. Jacob didn't even ask for his birthright. Esau just said, hey, if you give me these bowl of lentils, I'll give you my birthright. And Jacob said, okay. And gave him the lentils. 
It wasn't until days, weeks, months, years later that Jacob and Esau's mother, Rebecca, developed, was it Rebecca or Rachel? I forget. Look that up, uh, Brother Arnold and the Bird. Um, look up Jacob and Esau's mother. Um, it wasn't until years later that their mom devised a scheme to trick Isaac into giving the blessing of the birthright, not to Esau, but to Jacob. So you're telling me that God held Esau accountable for saying something just idle just because he was super hungry? How is that? Where is the fairness in that? Where is the fairness in that? I mean, sometimes I, I get a little silly. You know, sometimes, I, you know, I just, you know, I, I will say this. Sometimes, and you probably heard it, you know, man, I wish I was never born. Or I wish you were never born. Some people have said that. Yes, Lord. Idly. Yes. Right? Some people have said, man, I wish I was black, or I wish I was white, or I wish I was tall, or I wish I was short. You know, just silly things, word, jestful words, idle words. And what I mean by idle words is that they, they are not, it's not that they are constructive or not constructive. It's just that we speak them with a lack of purpose. And that's what that means. Esau spoke those words with a lack of purpose, and he had his birthright taken from him. Now, never mind the fact that uh, before they were born, God had already, God had already said that the uh, that His promise, the promise that He gave to Abraham, was going to go through Jacob and not Esau. And I only. God is, because He's all-knowing, all-seeing, He sees 360 degrees of time and space. I can't say that it, it would... It, boy, I can't say anything other than just to say that Esau fell victim to an auto word that was spoken out of his mouth. Amen. I love you or I hate you. I can remember every single time I was rejected by a young lady that I liked. Every single one. And I remember the acceptance of the only woman that I was meant to be with, certainly. But if you can go back in your mind, you can remember all those times where people you know, just said, you're ugly, you're fat, you're not smart, you're slow, you're not good enough. I can remember those times where my sisters were making fun of me. Prior to my cousins, certainly, my male cousins. Cousins used to beat me up all the time. Right? They'd say, man, you ain't nothing. You a sucker. And, you know, they're, you know, mm -hmm. they're big brothers to me. They're, you know, just saying it in gist. But how, how do you remember out of words that your siblings said to you while they were smiling, while they were laughing? It gets you. So I go to the scripture read. Um, Brother Garon the third. Mm. 
book chapter and verse, please, sir. Um, Matthew 12, um, verses 3 through 37. And then it reads, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. A generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? Stop right there. A generation of vipers, how can ye speak, speak, uh, how can ye be evil and speak good things? You know, 1 Timothy talks about, um, 1 Timothy chapter 5 talks about widows. It says that, uh, the congregation should not take care of widows who are, who are of a certain age, who don't have males in their family to take care of them, and then lastly, who are widows indeed. All these other widows, it says don't, don't take them in. Because you know what they're apt to do? They're apt to be in busybodies. You know what busybodies are? Busybodies are people who are doing stuff, but not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen a busybody at your workplace. They spend a lot of effort into looking busy, but never get anything done. Right? They spend a lot of time talking and talking and talking, and at the same time saying absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. It says, as it pertains to these, these widows, it says, uh, they will learn to be idle. Wandering from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers, also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not speak. Okay? Uh, turn your book, uh, stay there in Matthew, um, what is it, the 13th chapter? But in the book of Jude, it talks about these, these idle people in another way. Right? It, it says... Uh, <clears throat> Um, and, and speaking of these people who do not fulfill their purpose as pertaining to them by God, he, he calls them, um, in verse number 12 of Jude, uh, clouds without water, trees with, with uh, withered fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Uh, he calls these people, he says, those who, um, who are ungodly, Right, who speak ungodly things, who act ungodly, who speak with these idle words. It says these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speak a great swelling words, having a man's person in admiration because of advantage. They're just talking for the sake of talking. And I would ask you, do you talk for the sake of talking? Or... <laughs> Are your words words of purpose? And what do those words need to be purpose to or purpose for? What did Jesus? Did Jesus ever say a idle word? Do you ever hear in Matthew, or do you ever read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, where James, uh, excuse me, Jesus was cracking a joke? Did he ever give a funny? Did he ever say, hey, I got a joke for you. A rabbi, a priest, and a lawyer walked into a bar. Did, do you ever hear Jesus say anything along those lines? Every word that Jesus spoke, or that we have recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had a purpose. 
As a matter of fact, he himself said, my father didn't send me to destroy the world, but to save it. These words that I speak are not my words, but my father's words. And that's really what we should be about. That's the purpose behind our speech, is to speak the words of God. Not to break people down. Obviously, you know, we need to rebuke. Uh, the scripture says that we need to rebuke our brothers and sisters in Christ, but even those words are not meant to break down. They're meant to build that individual up. Yeah. Brother Marzette, uh, a couple years back, um, and it's always stuck in my head. He likes this, and, and I know the reason why he likes it is because we all want to be funny. Sometimes it's physically taxing to be serious all the time. Sometimes you just want to get a little loosey-goosey, right? Right? So you, you, you speak jestful words, right? You crack jokes. I crack jokes with Brother Porter all the time, right? And we laugh and, you know, ha, 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 woo! I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. But what I'm saying is, is we have to be very, very careful with even those words that we speak. Continue to read. Matthew 13, 33 to 37. 12, sorry. Matthew 12, 33 to 37. You know, generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And read that slowly one more time. Jesus is warning us here. What makes us different as disciples of Christ it's not just how we view the world, not just our faith, but how we talk. We talk differently. I am horrible at small talk. Want to know why I'm horrible at small talk? Because my mother is horrible at small talk. And I'll tell you what. My mom does not like small talk. If there's nothing to be said, there's nothing to be said. There are plenty of times in our house where we looked at each other dead in the face silently. You got a thing to say? No? I don't got a thing to say. Okay, cool. I'm horrible at small talk because I can't make myself have a, a genuine, thoughtful conversation without a words. If I don't care about the weather, I'm not going to talk about the weather. Okay, well, it's raining, it's sunning, it's overcast, it's foggy, whoop-de-doo. I, I put on a jacket, or I didn't wear a jacket. Or it's beautiful, it's, it's muggy. Okay, move on. You know, just rambling on about nothing. We have to be careful. Because even in our rambling, even in our small talk, our words mean something. 
If they don't mean anything to you, guess who they mean everything to? They mean everything to God. Because even His words mean everything to Him. Continue. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Every single word. It's good to see you. Yes, ma'am. Everything that we say, may God bless you as well. Thank you. You as well in the church. All right. Thank you very much. Everything that we say means something. You're having a conversation with somebody about a denominational faith. You say, yeah, yeah. You know, just because maybe doing small talk, maybe you just want to get him out of your hair. So you say, yeah, I agree that Jesus is not the only God, Son of God. Yeah, whatever. Just, just go. Right? Or, or yeah, I believe in Chris. Uh, I don't huh? um, Maybe you say something, uh, just something justful, just arbitrary. Right? You make a joke about God, or you make a joke about Jesus, or you make a joke about Paul, or you make a joke about somebody or something. We stand before the judgment seat. Guess what we have done? We're going to see that recording. That same embarrassing recording that I made is the same embarrassing recording that's going to be played before the judgment seat of God. Mm -hmm. Except the consequences are eternal life or eternal damnation. So the lesson is yours. Mm -hmm. Words of